It was like, I can remember the first day out of school as a, as a first, second, third grader. I'm like, I've got it forever. It's, i got all summer, and this is going to be awesome. And, and now my kids, they're, they're done with school on one day, and it's almost like they start school the next day. And listen, we don't do it that way. We they get a whole summer off. Why? Because time flies by like that. And, and the longer I step back and see time, it just gets compressed and compressed. And the truth is, our time on this earth really is as short as that dash on a, on a, on a tombstone. It is moments long. I, 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 looked, I was talking to the kids the other day, and uh, uh, we were talking to somebody about uh, uh, everybody moving, uh, growing up and moving out. And I said, I'm looking forward to the day, but I'm not really. I love my kids, and I don't want them leaving the house. Well, Elijah's 13 years old. He looks like he's 17, but he's only thir- 12 years old, not even 13. Uh, he's, he put on a pair of boots today, and he's like, I'm taller than you. No, you're not. Stop it. Our kids are growing up so fast. And, and any parent who's grown up and has to watch their kids grow up, you know it goes by so fast, and you can't take any of that time back. You don't get it back. Listen, our lives are just the same, and one day you're going to take your final breath, and whether it's today or 50 years from now, that, that could, if you don't realize and don't think about what's coming at the end of that, because when you take your final breath, the rest of that verse says this, it's the point of demand once to die, but after that, the judgment. You're going to stand before God. Say, but I'm a, uh, well, God will judge me and he'll look at my good works and my bad works. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that God is a righteous judge. Now, if you were to steal a car and you were to go uh, before, before that, that, that judge uh, after you're arrested and arraigned and, and you get your lawyer and all those things and you say, Judge, yes, I'm guilty. I, I did steal a car. There's the video of me doing it. Uh, I was caught red handed. I was in the car and, and driving down the road when the, when the cops got me. I did that, but I've done some good things too, Judge. I, I, I've given some money to the poor, and I've done this, and I've, I go to church every Sunday. Can you, can you honestly square, look at me in, square in the eye and say, that judge is going to let you off? No, of course not. He's not going to balance your good works versus your bad works. He's going to judge you based upon the fact that you broke the law. And guess what? The Bible says that we broke the law of God. For all have sinned, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we look at the moral, the moral law that God gave Moses, the Ten Commandments, listen, there are 683 laws in the Old Testament. Thank the Lord we don't have to follow all of those things. But if we just look at the, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, although those commandments, listen, if we were to just to look at those, we would all fall short. See, but a lie is not that big of a deal. The Bible says this, that if you offend in one point, you're as guilty as if you've offended in all points. See, but it's not that big of a deal. It, it is to God because God is holy. There's a guy, uh, Ray, Ray Comfort, I like to watch his, uh, he's got a, a Living Waters uh, ministry uh he goes out and he, he witnesses uh in california and he talks to all kinds of people and one of the things he does and i've stolen it and mentioned it here before uh and i say stole it i i, I use the same phrase he'll, he'll say have you, have you ever lied before and people always he'll, first he says are you a good person and they always say yes i'm a good person i think so and most of the time not everybody but uh say, yes i'm a good person he says well have you lied well yeah i've lied how many lies have you told in your life too many to count, right? What do you call somebody who lies so much that you can't even count the number of lies they've told? Well, I guess you'd call him a liar. Okay. Have you ever stolen anything? Irrespectable of how much it costs? How insignificant you think it is? Yeah. But I don't do it anymore. 
Okay. What do you call somebody who steals? A thief. So what are you? A thief? No, you're a lying thief. Right? And he builds off of it. He goes through. It, 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 and he begins to break down. And he says, listen, I'm not here to judge you. I'm no better than you. He goes, what I'm here to do is to show you, is trying to show you through from the, the, the law of God that we always fall short. And the truth is, you and I fall short. And you might think it's not that big of a deal. But one day you're going to stand before God and be judged based upon your moral conduct. And we have all fallen short. We've all broken the law of God. I'm not here to tell you that I am better than you. I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. I, 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 I have broken all of the Ten Commandments. And I, I'm not saying that I'm even perfect now that I'm saved. I'm telling you that we're all in need of the grace, the undeserved favor of God and God's mercy. The next thing that Ray Comfort always says is, he, he says this, now do you know what God did for you so that you wouldn't have to be judged? And they, well, no. He says, well, the Bible says this. Because we're sinners, the, the punishment of our sin or the wages of our sin is death. Uh, uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. He says, he says the wages, it's what you earn. It's like a, a man who, who, who kidnaps three women and, and, and rapes them and murders them. He's earned death. God has declared that because of our sin, we have earned death. Death. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. For all of our sins. Praise God. Thank God for, for what Christ did because the Bible says this, that he bore on his body, he bore in him the wrath of God. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10 or 11, I, I believe it is, says that because of the agony of his soul, God's, God's wrath was satisfied. The judgment that you and I are supposed to receive on judgment day was placed on Jesus Christ so that we don't have to suffer that judgment. But whether or not we suffer that judgment comes down to this, have we trusted in Christ? Have we placed our faith in him, asking him to save us, asking him to, to change us and to make us new? And the, listen, the Bible tells us this, that when we do that, all those, the, those desires that we have, uh, he gives us a new heart, uh, new desires. It doesn't mean we don't sin anymore. It means that, that, that there's a spirit of God that dwells within us uh, once we're saved, that, that shows us that what's right and what's wrong and helps us to do those things that, that God would call us to do. So if we neglect that truth, man, how shall we escape? Again, the word neglect means to, care, to be careless, to make light of, to disregard. Don't neglect or disregard what God has done for, for you and I. Don't put it off and say, I'll do it someday. Today is the day of salvation. But that's not the only way that we can neglect the salvation that God has for us. Because let, let me also say this, that salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. It is not. Salvation is it's a transformed life, a changed person. Uh, John chapter 3, uh, Jesus says, uh, ye must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2 with me if you would. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 Paul says this, and you, speaking to those that were saved, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. There was a change. They were dead in the trespasses and sins. The word quickened means made alive. 
He was. He made you alive spiritually. Uh, they were physically alive. Now they're spiritually alive because of the work of Christ in their life, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He's describing them as, as they were before they were saved. Uh, he describes them like this. They walked according to the course of this world, the way, the, 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 the mindset of this world. Uh, and it's not talking about the, the, the people. It's not talking about the, 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 uh, the, the, the creation. It's, not, it's talking about the, the, this. It's talking about the order or the, the direction this world has taken. And if you look at it, listen, our world is against God. The uh, Bible says three things about the world. It says this, that for, all, or for, or for God so loved the world. That's talking about the people. The Bible t- tells us in the book of Genesis, it tells us in, in the book of John chapter 1, it tells in the book of Colossians that he made the worlds. Uh, but the Bible also says that, that we can't be friends with the world, that if we're friends with the world, that we're in enmity with God. That, that third type of world, and I mentioned this on Wednesday, is, is the, the order. And listen, the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. It's against God. And he said, we walked against God. You, may, you, you weren't walking according to his, his, his commandments. You weren't walking in, uh, in the way that he would want you to do. You, many people aren't even aware that he cares. And that's, he's saying that's what they were. It says, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That same spirit was, was in us. Verse 3, among whom also we had our conversation in times past. We lived like these people in the lusts of our flesh. We allowed our desires to control us, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. There was nothing that, that they were stopping themselves. Those things that they, were, that they desired, they did. Those things that they desired, they wanted, they, they got and partook of. It says in verse, the end of that verse, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But look at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened or made alive us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kingdom toward us through Christ Jesus. He says, he says this is what you used to be. But you're not that anymore. Think about that. What I used to be, I'm not anymore. Now, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But God is working in me. He's changing me through the, through the word of God. Romans chapter 12 uh, says, be not, uh, 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That transformation is internal. It's what God is doing in me. And that internal transformation becomes an outward transformation as he begins to change me. The things that I say, the things that I do, they aren't what they used to be. Ever hear the kid's song, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. And you can say the, thing, the, the, the place they used to go, the things they used to say, those things change. I used to swear like a sailor. I mean, worse. God changed my lips. God changed my mouth. I used to go places. I don't go anymore. Why? Because God changed me, changed my desires. There came a point in my life where I said, I don't want this anymore. I, I, I don't want what this world has to offer. I want what Christ has for me. 
But as children of God, we can neglect that. We can neglect it. We can feed our flesh. We can do the things that are pleasing to us. Even as Paul says in Ephesians, put off the old man, that old nature, what we used to be, and put on the new. Some of us are still living like we're in the old flesh. Like God didn't do anything when he saved us. We can neglect that salvation. It says in Second Peter, verse 8 says this, I believe it's chapter 1, for if these things be in you and abound, and this is talking about the things that were to add to our faith, there's a list of things. It says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Now, again, he's not saying that you'll, you, if you don't do these things, you'll lose your salvation. He's saying you won't fall. You won't let that you, know, you won't neglect that salvation that God's given to us. It's important for us to know that He's still working on you, but you've got to let Him. Colossians chapter three sixteen says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." That indicates if I'm letting it do it, that means God wants to do it. I've got to allow him to do it. I have to relinquish control of my life. I have to submit myself to the authority of God and the Spirit of God, the working of God, and the Word of God. If I neglect that, man, I will waver. I will wander. I will struggle. And listen, I am a testimony that all those things can happen. I, got, I grew up in church. I knew what was right. I did everything that was right. At, at the age of 15, I myself came to Christ. God showed me that I needed to be saved. And not that God saved the whole world, but I needed to be saved. And not that it's not true that his salvation is good enough for, for everybody. I'm saying I understood for me. I trusted in Christ. And at the age of 24, I walked away from church. And I walked away from God. And I moved to the state of Maine to get as far away from it all as, as possible. Why? Because my heart had gotten away from the Lord. I am evidence, physical evidence, that somebody who grows up in church and does everything right and preaches, and I went to Bible college first. I, I want you to understand, uh, you can be right where you're supposed to be and allow yourself to slip. It's important that we all understand that we cannot neglect this so great a salvation. Now, I do want to say this. This salvation is so great. In chapter 3, it says, he says, uh, Chapter 3 of Hebrews, chapter 2, chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Part of it is I think we don't understand how great the salvation is. It's important for us to ponder and understand it. So we're going to talk about just a few things, and we'll go through these quickly. First point is this. Our salvation is great in its revelation. It's great in its revelations. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Listen, any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. It's important for us to understand that, listen, the, the things that the angels said, 
were steadfast. They were unmoved. Uh, uh, you look at the, in Matthew chapter 1, uh, you don't need to turn there, Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, the angels uh, speak and, and, and they testify of, a, of the coming Savior. Uh, verse, uh, chapter, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says, And she shall bring forth a son. This is the angel uh, speaking to Joseph. It says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Luke chapter 2 verse 11 is another account of this, and it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This was, these were messages brought by the angels. And, and, and here Paul is saying these messages were steadfast, because guess what? God fulfilled what he said he was going to fulfill. He was not late. He did not mess up. He, he, it wasn't a mistake. When God told them to brought that message, or God told them to bring that message, they brought it, they stated it, and, and God fulfilled it. We sang about God's faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, right? Do you believe it? Do you believe that the word of God is faithful and true? The Bible says let, let, let God be true and every man a liar. Uh, the word of God is true. When we can place our hope, we can place our trust in what this word tells us. It's great in its revelation. The Bible says that the words that we have here are greater than those messages that were shared. It's greater than the witnesses and signs and wonders and miracles, the, uh, 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 the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In, in the book of Acts, we, we find that God used the different miracles of Christ and the miracles of the apostles uh, to, to uh, help other people as signs to understand that Jesus wasn't just a prophet but that he was God. Verse 4 says, God also bearing them witness with, verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 2, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles, diverse meaning many miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Think about what God did. Peter uh, uh, saying to the man, the silver and uh, the lame man laying outside the temple saying, silver and gold have I none, but what such I have I give you. Get up and walk. That's a miracle. He then took, took that opportunity to then preach the gospel to the crowds that came to see the lame man who they had walked past day after day after day get up and rejoice and praise God. And then he preached the gospel. Why? Because the word of God is true. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says this, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given, to, given me to you, word, how that by revelation be made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. The, the message that, that's been given uh, to, to us through the word of God, through the written word of God, tells us that the gospel is for everybody. What a great revelation. Jesus didn't come, just come and die for the people of Israel. He came to die for the Gentiles. That's you and me. That's a great revelation, is it not? Aren't you thankful that when Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he's talking to you. It's a great revelation. It's great in its reach. 
God's salvation, this salvation that's been given to us is great in its reach. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says this, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to maketh intercession for him. He can, he can save them to the uttermost. Did you know there is not anybody outside of the reach of the salvation of God? Stop thinking about it. Say, well, I'm not that bad of a guy. I, I can see God saving me, right? But <laughs> this other guy, Donnie over here. Or sometimes we look at others and say, hey, God can save them, but there's no way God can save me. I know who I am. I know what I've done. I can't imagine God would forgive me. I can't forgive myself. He says he's saved to the uttermost. There's not a single soul on this earth that God cannot save. That includes you. Great is his reach. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. See, without the gospel, and that's the, the death of Christ for our sins, the resurrection of Christ that he's made alive according to the scriptures, that's the gospel. Without that, we have no hope. First Corinthians 15 says, without that hope, we're of all men most miserable. We're here for no reason. I mean, I like you all. I, I, like, I like fellowshipping with you. I like having a good time. It's great to sing. But if Christ didn't rise from the dead, if there is no forgiveness of sins, if, if it's this house of cards that's been, that can be knocked down by uh, just a, a, a simple, listen, if that's all this is, we shouldn't be here. It'd be a waste of our time. Well, Paul could, continues on there in 1 Corinthians 15, but Christ is risen. We have hope because of Christ. And his, there is power in the gospel that can save Anyone. Acts seventeen thirty says in the seventeen thirty says in the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Not only can God save anybody, but God desires to save everybody. He does not pick and choose and say, Well, I like this one and I like that one and I like that one and I like that one, and the rest of you can all That's not what God says. In fact, several times in Scripture, verse Romans 5.18, therefore, as by the offense of, the, of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one man, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says, speaking of God, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. John chapter 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son to, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God desires to save everybody. The reach of the gospel is not just in his ability to save everybody, but in his desire to save everyone. When it says, for God so loved the world, I want you to take out the world the world out of it, and I want you to put your name there. For God so loved Frank. For God so loved George, and that George too. Right? We can put our own names in that place. For God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. Ephesians chapter 2 describes unbelievers as those that are without hope. Unbelievers are those that haven't put their faith in Christ. Verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 2 says this, that at that time ye were without Christ, 
This is before salvation. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, separate from God's people, and strangers from the covenants of promise. Uh, strangers meaning they, they're not recipients. Uh, they, they, they don't have any right to the promises that God had given, having no hope and without God in the world. If we are without Christ, we have no tie to God. We have no hope in this world. We have no, uh, there's no hope of heaven. There's no, there's no promise that we can claim other than this. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's great in its reach. I love that word whosoever. It literally means whoever. Whoever. Not only is, God, is it great God's salvation, great in his revelation, and great in his reach. But the salvation that, that's been offered to us is great in its reassurance. Again, verse chapter 2 of Ephesians says this, in verse 8 and 9, I've already quoted it. For, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. John chapter 10, 28 and 29, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Praise the Lord. That means uh, not just die physically, because we all die physically and receive a physical death. It's talking about that spiritual death. And in fact, the Revelation tells us the second death is when death and hell and all the unbelievers are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Uh, he's saying we will not partake of that death. He's trying to even pluck them out of my hand. Not only do we not receive that death, but it says... Nobody can take it from us. Listen, I, I have, we all have a lot of stuff, right? This, uh, and for sake of illustration, I, Lord worked this all out perfectly. My kids uh, like to bring their scooters, and the, the, they've got these little Razor scooters, and uh, Zeke got a bicycle for his birthday this year, and, and uh, uh, they like to bring them here to the church because it's a big area to, to ride them and play them and leave them over here outside of the thing. We came in yesterday, and... Um, the two, two of the scooters and Zeke's bike have been stolen. Nope, I'm, not tr I'm not trying to get you to feel sad for them. Because the stuff that we have rusts, it breaks, can be taken away. But you know what, will not be, what is not corruptible and what is not corrupted and what can never be stolen from you? Your salvation. They cannot take your salvation. They cannot steal it. They cannot corrupt it. They cannot, they cannot do anything to it. The Bible says Jesus himself described it as that they are in his hand, and his hand uh, was wrapped around by the Father's hand, and no man can take them out of my Father's hand. It says in verse 29 of John chapter 10, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And guess what? You can't pluck yourself out either. There's reassurance in that. Because the truth is, we, even as Christians, we all fail. And when I say fail, we all sin. There's a reason 1 John 1, 9 is in the Bible. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because we are going to sin. In fact, it tells us in that same chapter that if we do, say that we don't sin, that we lie and don't do the truth. Right? So, so uh, just stop lying to yourself, admit that you're a sinner, and realize that, 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 that we fall short, even as Christians, as, as children of God, even though we're saved, we fall short of God's glory because God's not done with us yet. But even though that's true, no man plucketh us out of the Father's hand. The Bible says this also, that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, which, uh, that uh, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Christ. 
He's still working on us, and he's still making us more and more like the Savior. The the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one that, 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 that authored it or that, 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 that originated it. And he's the one who will complete it. Not you. You are not going to complete your faith. He completes it in you. You are not perfect yet, Brother Frank. And I know you know that. None of us are. But one day you will be. As children of God, we have this promise. that one day we'll see him and we shall be like him as he is. This flesh will, this old man, this, this corruptible nature, corrupted nature will be gone and, and will be changed because he's doing the work, not us. There's great reassurance in that because in our failures, Satan will use those failures to beat us up. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. Christian wouldn't act like that. In fact, not only will Satan use it, sometimes other Christians do too. We are sometimes the worst at taking care of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Ha! Well, they must not be saved. Oh, they missed church this week. They, 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 there's something wrong. Good thing people aren't watching over our shoulders all the time. Thankful for the Holy Spirit which lives within us. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distresses or persecutions or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor the height nor depth nor any other creature that shall shall be able to separate us from the love of God where is in Christ Jesus our Lord or which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can take away our salvation. We were justified by faith and were kept by Christ. Great also in its reward. Hebrews eleven six. without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Ephesians chapter 2, we already read it, says that, the, that in, in the days to come that we will see the, 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 the uh, I want to look at it again real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, I don't want to misquote it, and I didn't write this one down. It'd be around verse 6. 6 and 7, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Salvation is not just uh, that I get to go to heaven or I don't have to go to hell. God is working in me and he's changing in me and, and I have not yet seen all that he has done in me. But verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2 says we are his workmanship. He's, he's continuing to work in us to make us more and more like the Savior, Jesus Christ. And one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to see the exceeding abundant riches of God's grace. Meaning we're going to see all that God has in store for us. It isn't just a, a streets of gold and a, a house for you to live in on the side of some hill somewhere. We're going to be in the presence of an almighty God who loved us so much that he sent a Savior to die on the cross so that we could eternally be with him. Praise God. We should rejoice in that. We should be reassured by that. Look at what God has in store for you and I as his children. Paul talks about the unsearchable riches of, of, of God's grace in Ephesians chapter 3. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for what God has in store for us.
We see the sacrifice for sins in Ephesians chapter 1. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I'll tell you what, I'll take that over anything else. Think about this. I don't have to bear the weight of my own sin anymore. Listen, don't, look, don't think about what other people know about you. Stop and think about the worst moment in your life that you could look back on that you are ashamed to even think about or mention to anybody else. You wouldn't tell your wife. You wouldn't tell a friend. You wouldn't even tell a stranger because you don't want somebody to know that about you. Stop for a moment and think about that. Christ took that on you, on, on himself. And that is no longer on your shoulders. If you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, that in itself is a great enough reward. The security in our spirit. Another reward. Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Uh, the Holy Spirit, which has been given to each one of us as children of God, is the, the, the Bible declares the earnest of our inheritance. What that means is your down payment. If you buy a house, you have to give them earnest money to hold it, the offer until it's accepted or rejected, right? Uh, if it's rejected, they give you the money back. Uh, if if it's not, uh, uh, if you decide to leave, you you lose your money. Uh, listen, uh, the Holy Spirit was our the earnest money that was given to us. God's given us that, and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit until that day of redemption. We're kept by Him. There's security in that. In Ephesians two, the Bible says we're seated at the right hand of Christ. Now you and I are here. I understand that. It's talking about positionally we are with Christ in heaven. There is a reservation for you. Uh, a, a place with your name on it at a table that you're going to get to sit at one day. Uh, uh, you're going to get the feast with the Savior. The Bible says, calls it the marriage supper of the Lamb. One day we will all be there. And as children of God, what a reward that we have to look forward to. Listen, this, this isn't heaven. And by the way, this isn't hell either. As Christians, though, we've got something to look forward to. In the, in the Old Testament, the, uh, Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God, but he never set foot in that city. Listen, we are pilgrims in this world where we're, we're trudging through, we're walking through, we're not dwelling here. This is just a short period of time, but, it, but eternity is forever, and we will spend eternity with our Savior in heaven, praising, worshiping, serving. I don't know what all we're going to be doing in heaven. I can guarantee you're not going to be sitting on some cloud playing a harp somewhere. Uh, 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 that's mankind's idea of what heaven is. But listen, it's going to be beyond imagination. What is the, what's the Bible verse that you guys learned for today? You don't have to quote it. Just tell me the reference. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Turn over to it real quick. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, bud. 1 Corinthians 3.16. The one from last week, sorry. Two nine, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for him that love him. Listen, there are some beautiful things in this world. Absolutely amazing things. I, I, love, I love watching sunsets, especially with you get some clouds up there and they all turn all pink and pretty and that's always nice. I like watching sunrises when we went to Punta Cana last year. Uh, I got up in the morning a couple times really early and I went out and I, I watched the sunrise. Beautiful except for all the other people that went out to see the sunrise. They weren't so beautiful. But the sunrise is beautiful. The stars and the sky, just gorgeous. I've seen the, 
the northern lights, amazing. I haven't seen them for years, but I've seen them, and it's just breathtaking. There are places in our world that is absolutely just, you see, you think, wow. God says, I have not seen. God says, ear hath not heard. I've heard some amazing singing, some amazing things. Just uh, the melodies that just almost seem to lift you and carry you away. I've heard some amazing things. I've seen some amazing things. It also says, it hath not entered into the heart of man. I've, I've imagined some of the great things. Uh, if you've got a good imagination, when I was a kid, I used to imagine all kinds of things. I used to imagine I could fly, I could do all kinds. Of, I, I imagined some great things in my life. It also says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for those that love him. We cannot imagine. We have no comprehension of what God has prepared for us in heaven. Stop and just remember what God did for you here in this earth. But know that God has so much more for us in heaven. See, the salvation that is offered to us isn't just a ticket to heaven. It is something that you can't even, and I still struggle to comprehend, in fact, can't comprehend all that God has in store for us. But the Word of God is true. Don't neglect it. Don't let it slip. If you're here today and you've never trusted in Christ, know that one day, and one day sooner than you think, you will stand before God and you'll be judged. The judgment is whether you're a good person or a bad person. The judgment is this. Have you trusted in Christ? Because if you haven't trusted in Christ, you'll stand before God and answer for your own sinfulness. And we've all sinned. And if, that were, if there was no hope, if there was no answer, we would all be guilty. We would all be guilty. And we would all suffer the same judgment. But God, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, who is rich in mercy. But God, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins. Don't neglect it. Don't ignore it. Don't let it slip by. Today is the day of salvation. Today, cry out to Christ and say, God, save me. I'm a sinner. Don't try to justify yourself and say, I tried to do my best. No, just, uh, there was, uh, Jesus mentions two men in the Bible, a, a, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The tax collectors at that time were hated but despised by people because they were working with the Roman government. And the, 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 the Pharisee, prayed in the temple and says, thank you, Lord, for not letting me be like this man over here, this tax collector. I, 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 I give to the poor. I pray every day. He begins to justify himself. But that tax collector couldn't even look up into heaven. With his head bowed down, staring at the ground, tears running down his face. The Bible says he beat his chest. He says, have mercy upon me, O God. And Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, who do you think went home justified? It wasn't the, the Pharisee who tried to build himself up. It was the tax collector who laid himself upon the mercy of God. Today, if you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, today is the day of salvation. Maybe you're saved. And maybe you've trusted in Christ. 
you know that you're saved and you're kept by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God that saved you. It's God that keeps you. But you've been neglecting some things in your Christian life. Neglecting reading your Bible, neglecting your prayer life, neglecting your fellowship with God, neglecting your fellowship with other believers, uh, neglecting your growth. First uh, Peter chapter 1 talks about adding to our faith. If you've not been adding to your faith, and what I mean by that is, is growing spiritually and mature, mature, spiritual maturity as a Christian, you're in danger of letting it slip. Now, again, you don't lose your salvation. We're kept by, by God. But you're in danger of one day standing before God and having to answer for all you didn't do. All that God wanted for you and all that you neglected. The question there in Hebrews chapter 2 is this. How shall we escape if we neglect? There is none. There is not. Imagine yourself on, 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 on the, the river where the Niagara Falls is on. And you're floating down the river happy as a clam. Just glad to be there. And somebody yells at you, hey, watch out. Just keep paddling down the river. You're good. Watch out. Stop. You're in danger. Unless you know that the falls at the end of the river, you don't really care. But when you understand the judgment, and when you understand the danger, when they throw you that rope, guess what you do? You grab onto it. May God help us to grab onto that rope. May God help us to not neglect what God has done for us in this great salvation that he's offered for us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you use it for your honor and your glory. God, may our hearts be open to you, Lord. I pray that your spirit is working. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Heads, eyes, heads, heads.